This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis, Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, Governor David Patterson. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Too bad you couldn't be here in person. But we did hear Governor Hochul give you a shout-out during the State of the State address there, Governor. So you must know what's going on in Albany then. Well, I guess I know as much as anyone else does. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that um, this will be an, an interesting year because now the governor's been reelected. She's had a chance to sh- set her agenda. She uh, kind of raised a couple of issues and then pulled back in the speech, which I saw as a shot across the bow. But as I said when I was there a couple of weeks ago, I think by uh, by April, we'll very, really have a very good idea what her uh, service in this term will be. Governor, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you about developments with respect to the nomination of uh, Judge LaSalle. Uh, I see that Jonathan Lippman who you appointed as chief judge of the of the state and is our good friend and a fine judge, announced that his, in his analysis there's an obligation of the state Senate to put on the floor for the full Senate a vote on the nomination of Judge DeSalle. It's not enough to just have consideration by the committee. And he says if it doesn't happen that they put on the floor, that could be the subject of litigation. What say you, Governor? I think he's right, because the committee, what the committee is doing so that everybody in the Senate doesn't have to be worried about this particular issue. So you have different types of legislation that go to different committees. And in this case, it would be the uh, uh, Judiciary Committee, and they, um, you know, come up with an answer. But I don't think the committee is able or given the right to stop a nomination by themselves. I think at a point that uh, they have a problem with the judge, that it would still go to the full Senate for confirmation. And But Stuart Cousins, who's majority leader, Senator Stuart Cousins, is taking the position, well, if the committee handles it, there's no need to go any further. They, they, they can bottle it up there. And Hoyleman is, is, she, just, is she dumb or is she just kidding around? She does whatever Janaris uh, tells her to do. That's what the, the dirty little secret in Albany is that Janaris is running the state Senate, and he's controlled by the Working Families Party and the progressives, and he does what they want, and she just goes along with the program. Janaris is the power in the state Senate. Janaris is well, also uh, Janaris is also I'm... mad as hell about what happened with uh, that the former chief judge did with redistricting. Well, they got rid of her real fast. Uh, he Jackie did, and, and he's responsible for getting rid of her. Governor, Dirty. Governor, you're, you're, you're up. Uh, one of what I remember when I was in the Senate is that you could make a motion to discharge a bill out of committee. Usually this was something that we would do when we knew we were going to lose, but we just wanted to make a point that this uh, bill isn't being heard on the floor. I think if there was a motion to discharge the uh, bill from committee, that would actually be the vote on the issue of the judge itself because 
if enough senators vote the, the judge out of committee, then there'll be enough senators to confirm uh, Mr. LaSalle. Now, who was saying today that uh, uh, they're not going to allow the Republicans to vote? How can people say dumb things like that? Uh, well, is- that would that would be where uh, only the you know where the, the Democrats have the majority in the committee, and once they hit a number where they have a majority of the vote. I don't understand why you wouldn't let somebody else vote. You've already won the. You've already won. Yeah, but it, but if it's going to go to the floor of the Senate, what do you mean that that the Republicans can't vote? Somebody said that today, Judge. It makes no sense. Yes. They have to yes, vote. Said, said to to us in a, in a, in a private meeting. That was, and, oh, that was a private that, meeting. That was a private there meeting. Are some, there are some senators who say a lot are of dumb things. Are you all willing to uh, admit who who brought this up? No, absolutely no. not. That's <laughs> why it's a like, private wow. meeting, Governor. <laughs> at least, at least, please put up the money to send this person to counseling. <laughs> well, you're very, you, find you, out you know him very well. Wait till you find out who it is. But wow. we'll never tell. We'll never we'll tell. We'll never tell on, on the air in front of a million people. <laughs> so, Governor, a million yeah. people are not going to know. Governor, Maybe you, you'll know. But you'll you, know. You got a great shout out uh, from the governor as uh, state of the state. But what do you think of the state of, his, of the state? Uh, I thought that uh, she did pick some good issues to talk about. I think the mental health uh, plan that she has is very good. Uh, I think that. Um, when it got to crime, she said that that the uh, bail reform that they passed was good. What people were upset about is that they didn't go and address the issue of dangerousness. She said, but I think we could have an adult conversation about uh, bail reform and how we could tweak it again. So she's saying that she's going to bring that up with them. And I honestly think she's going to do it. And really, I don't think it's the hardest thing to strike a compromise there because what we're really talking about isn't assessing the bail based on the type of crime or what the defendant, uh, you know, you know, something that would be unfair. We're assessing it based on perhaps prior acts that would lead one to believe that this individual who stands before the court cannot be trusted to either come back for the trial or they can't be trusted to not get to the trial without harming someone else. Governor, this is Craig, Craig Eaton. But but by the same token, we need to make sure that they give the discretion back to the judges. I mean, look today, Manhattan D.A. Bragg offered a sweetheart plea deal to a suspect in a brutal anti-Semitic attack. And the guy said, I will definitely do it again. I would do it again. By the way, let's be clear. I'm I'm telling as a former Supreme Court justice, a judge with some brains and some guts will not take that plea deal. Yeah. So the plea deal it, is six months in exchange. Six he was facing months, 10, 10 years. 10 years yeah. for a so if, you, if it came before you, what would you say in your judge? Said, no way. You want to have a real conversation? I'll have a real conversation. This guy's looking at a hard time. That's what I would say. And any judge worth his or her salt would say the same thing with this kind of anti-Semitic attack where he was brutally beaten by a mob and this guy was the ringleader and said he would do it again. What are, you're rewarding him? No contrition. None. That's defense. exactly right, yeah. Governor. Yeah. No contrition. And by the way, and even if he was so-called contrite because his lawyer told him to pretend you're contrite, I'd still give him a hard time. How's that? Now, since we're talking about mentally ill, uh, why don't we get in uh, – and, Governor, stay on the line. Get Stefan Ideon from the Manhattan Institute. Wants to talk about mentally ill? 
Right. He's of the Manhattan Institute. So uh, Governor Hochul announced during her state of the state address that she wants to allocate a billion dollars to help the mentally ill. And John, go ahead. he's ready. OK, so welcome. Uh, welcome back to Cats at Night. Stephen Knight of the Manhattan Institute. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. We got Governor uh, we got Governor Patterson on the phone right now too, and and he's been talking about the mentally ill in the studio with us. We got Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, uh, Craig Eaton, and Lydia Serrani. Uh, let's talk about the mentally ill. There's a big problem. I was told that many, many, many years ago in a, a in a land called New York, there used to be twenty seven thousand mentally ill people in hospitals, and we're down to very few. The rest of them are called, they changed the name of the mentally ill and call them homeless. Yeah, it's right, 90,000, over 90,000. Yeah, now we're down to, yeah, yeah. And so all those people just magically were cured. No, they put them on the streets of New York. I'm being facetious, I know. Well, yeah, back at that time, you know, you had these old guys on the Bowery, and everybody knew that they had problems with alcoholism. But on the streets with the mentally ill, that was not an issue that we were talking about back then, no. Tell us, what the the heck are we going to do? She's going to put up a billion dollars to help, which I welcome it. What are we going to do? Okay, so you got to think of what Hochul and Adams are doing as two parts of the the problem. Okay, so you're talking about psychiatric hospitalization. There's the legal dimension. There's the financial dimension. Legally, that's what Adams tried to tackle with his plan in November, saying you don't have to wait. Okay, you don't have to wait till somebody attacks somebody, pushes somebody in the subway. If you th- see that person deteriorating in public, they're not meeting their basic living needs. You can take them in and have them evaluated for civil commitment. Okay, so that's the legal piece, very controversial. What Hochul said, but you've got to have a, a bed to put that person. And over the years, as you alluded to, New York City has lost tens of thousands of beds. And just in the last decade, over you know, during the, under Cuomo and de Blasio's watch, Hundreds of beds were lost, and more beds were lost because of COVID-related reasons. Hochul said we're going to start bringing beds back to make sure we have a place to put people when, um, when we commit them. So the pieces are very compatible, and, you know, at least we stopped the bleeding. I think it's, we're in a little bit better place than we were five, ten years ago. Yeah, but the problem, the problem is, and I ran the Special Narcotics Court for about five or six years, and I had jurisdiction over all five counties, all five boroughs in New York City, there's a overlap between the mentally ill, the homeless, and drug addiction. And we don't have the facilities to handle people with those kinds of problems. Not just that they don't have a place to sleep or a place to live. They need to deal with the drug addiction. They need to deal with the mentally ill. Judge, when you sentence somebody, where did they go? Well, that, that was always a problem because you needed to find beds for them when they, when they had that problem. And and as Mr. Ides pointed out, we did not have the facilities to do that. Well, you got Rikers Island. We could reconvert some of those buildings. Exactly right. You can make a whole center there to give the people that treated that who need that kind of treatment. They're exactly right, John. Well, yeah. I mean, one phrase that's thrown around that we need a continuum of care. We need various type of options. But when you're talking about the really severe, the hardest cases, okay, the most disturbed cases. That's a crisis situation. You really need a hospital bed for that. And New York has really been lacking. So right now they're focusing on the hospital piece. It's not going to fix everything, but I would say it's a step forward. So are we going back to institutionalization of uh, people who have mental uh, issues? Is that what you remember? That's the way it was way back when. Then along came the film, Titicut Follies and other things sort of. The crazy things are going on in those institutions and then the idea that, well, 
let's uh, let's give them their meds on the streets, right? Hey, that's that's exactly the problem. That movies like The Shrike and One Threw Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it was a British movie I don't remember back in the seventies. Everybody felt bad for the patients, and they started um, pairing back some of the regulations. In fact, there were cases where people were sent to um, a facility because they were unfit to stand trial. They couldn't understand the charges or help their lawyer. But while they were there, um, their classification was changed. So when they appeared to get better, they were let out when what they should have done was send them back to be tried on that case. And there's a Supreme Court case that talks about that, Jackson versus Indiana. But uh, I think that what the governor did is a good start. And we'll just see how far it can go. It's going to take more than a billion dollars. Tell, tell yeah, us, I mean, uh, Stefan, how bad is it on the streets of New York? Well, we don't really have perfect information. But, you know, when you're talking about the hardcore street homeless population, I could say there could easily be over a thousand people with untreated serious mental illness. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's been a stubborn problem for a long time. You know, people haven't seen much progress. You know, crime goes way down throughout the 90s. Um, but the situation on the streets with the severely mentally ill, you don't seem to see major improvements. Things just seem to get worse and worse and worse. So, um, you know, that's always been something that New York needed to, needed to tackle. For right now, at least, we're laying down a foundation. Hopefully we can build on that foundation. Stephen Ide and, of course, Governor Patterson. I remember there were First Lady Sherlane, right, de Blasio? Yeah. And she said she was – how much did she for Thrive? How, what was it, $2 billion? What was it? I think it was about a billion dollars. I think it was $1.25 billion. Yeah. $1.25 billion. So Where is that money? That's what I want to know. Uh, that's the billion-dollar question. Why was there no special prosecutor looking into that? So I'm a little skeptical. Every time somebody says we want to do something about the mentally ill, they don't deserve to be criminalized, we need a billion dollars, and then – what are the results? Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, yeah, what she wanted to do was all what I would describe as wellness type stuff, okay? Everybody's got anxiety. Everybody's got issues. I mean, th- these, th- these ideas are always out there. If you're investing money in psychiatric hospital beds, you at least have a degree of confidence that that is going to not just wellness, but the seriously mentally ill. So that's why it's at least a modest improvement. That's good. And she's talking about operational capacity of a thousand beds for inpatient psychiatric psychiatric treatment. But it might be twenty five thousand in the street. What are you going to do with a thousand beds? Right, and thirty five hundred units of housing. But you know, I don't but, know. But how do you get them to to, Seems to be institutionalized? Most of the mentally ill don't want to be. They right. want to be out on the street. So, so that it's a slippery because they're, slope. They're incapable of making a rational but, decision. To how get do you help. get them? So, what are you going to start arresting them? You put or? them on Rikers yeah. Island and you yeah. put alligators around idea. Rikers uh, Island, and then you get the ACLU suing your alligators. pants off. I like that, John. Alligators. <laughs> Import the crime. <crowd. laughs> tell a few jokes. Build a moat. A uh, moat. Yeah, with the drawbridge. Okay, well, we got to take. A, Thank you so much, uh, Stephen Ide and Governor Patterson. You're welcome to stay on. I saw you were sneezing there, so hopefully you will feel better. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. John Katz and the 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 